where we talk to people from the world of audio about their ideas, opinions, and methods. Hi, I'm Mark Young. For today's episode, I spoke with Nick Meehan from the Institute for Sound and Music. In the podcast, we discuss the ISM's mission promoting immersive audiovisual art and electronic music, the group's plans for a cultural center in Berlin devoted entirely to sound, and what it's like to watch Brian Eno create ambient music on the fly. The ISM's Nick Meehan is next. Hi, Nick. Thanks so much for speaking with me today. Uh, it's a pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're both in actually in different parts of Berlin recording this interview remotely today. Um, and I was just wondering, how long have you been in Berlin now? About a decade? I've been in Berlin for 10 years. Yeah, yep. un- unbelievable. Okay. <laughs> ha- happy decade anniversary. Thank, yeah. thank, thank you very much. Perhaps before we uh, get into what actually brought you to Berlin, maybe we can back it up a little bit. Um, sure. You've you've worked at the intersection of sound and art for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, when was the first time you could remember really connecting the audio and the visual together? Do you have a moment or, or, an, or an instance where it sort of came together for you as opposed to just say music or just visual art? Yeah, it was really, I'd say it was really in Boston where these topics started to merge in my mind in terms of the impact of an experience when you have not only um, the the visual element, but the sound element as well. Um, It's, it really started, I'd say, uh, um, you know, the courses that I was taking in Boston, uh, the programs that I was involved in, uh, the space that I uh, created there in Chinatown uh, was a very kind of... um, multidisciplinary space, very DIY. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was, it was catering to a lot of the students at the time that I was, I was, uh, in classes with looking for a place to, um, to express themselves and to, to, to play music, but then also to complement it with, uh, you know, a bit of a, an, an immersive rudimentary immersive experience. And, um, and so this had, yeah, of course, this had some, uh, uh, some visual elements to it, but it also encouraged you to use the space in more ways than, um, than sound alone. This was at Berkeley, we should say, right? This, the, this was Berkeley College of Music. Uh, yeah. I also was, uh, I was, I was part of the Pro Arts Consortium, uh, taking classes for, through the School, School of the Museum of Fine Arts. And this was um, uh, specifically with their video art program. Uh, so, and at the time it just felt like, uh, yeah, perfect, uh, combination of, uh, two worlds that were meant to be together. Although those two courses had their focus mm-hmm. for you, there, there was always that connection. There was, the there, absolutely. There was, there was an alignment. I mean, I, I think really, uh, really what I, I tend to focus on is, uh, we, we talk about it a lot at the ISM, um, which is, uh, this, this idea, the empowerment of shared direct experience and, uh, sound has this remarkable ability of just enveloping people, um, you know, captivating an audience, uh, where, uh, you know, the, the experience is, is, is gone in a moment, but it's there in a moment as well. And, uh, it's amazing too, that there isn't necessarily, I mean, there can be a focal point, but there isn't necessarily one in the sense of a, a visual composition. So, mm. I, I was just going to say to have the opportunity to to create an environment that that um, that uh, stimulates uh, visual and uh, auditory senses. I think is is really 
Um, I, I wasn't really able to articulate it back then, but I think that was always the, 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 the general aim. How can I create an environment for a channel for experience and communication and that kind of thing? Sure. You said in Boston, it was a very, uh, DIY yeah. type affair and nothing seems more than DIY than Berlin in many ways. So mm. how is it you left Boston to come to Berlin? Well, it's actually, it's, it's a, it's, it's one of my favorite stories, actually. I can, hopefully this doesn't take too long, but uh, right. I'll summarize it. I was studying music synthesis and electronic production and design at Berkeley College of Music. And uh, at the time, I was in a band. We were not so great, <laughs> but, oh. but we, uh, we, we played with mainly with synthesizers and computers and controllers and this kind of thing. And, uh, we really had a hard time, uh, finding a place to play. Uh, and I would like to believe that it was mainly because of what we were putting forward, but not because of our skill at the time. Uh, can, can we, can we still find the band? No, no, no? Well, maybe, maybe somewhere. No, I don't know. There's, there might be some, something buried deep in the internet somewhere, uh, but a I'm, MySpace I'm, page I'm, <laughs> I'm certainly not going to okay. leave any okay. breadcrumbs here, but anyways, okay. it, it was, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was really a lot of fun. And, uh, and so, but the other side to it too was Boston at the time. I mean, it was very difficult to find uh, a gig unless you were in a jazz band or an indie rock band or, mm. uh, or a DJ, you know? And so, so three guys with computers and controllers at the time was not very, uh, it's changed a lot since we left, you know, now, now that's kind of, um, you know, what you would expect when you go to a night, I imagine, or something like this. Mm. So so we uh, we got together and we found a, a, a large industrial space that we um, you know DIY meaning we we built walls we uh, uh, we lived out of the space uh, it was uh, it was gorgeous actually and um, so these these massive white walls and um, put in a put in a bit of a sound system and and really it was a place for us to play and the the, the remarkable thing was. Um, or the fun factor was really when uh, we realized that everybody else that we were in classes with also wanted a place to play. Uh -huh. So we started having these nights where it was like, uh, you know, 10 acts in a night, sometimes more, uh, 20 minutes each rapid fire kind of, uh, uh, progression through, you know, so many different ideas musically and visually. And, uh, this really started to, to catch on. Um, we had some great events there. And, uh, we would also do workshops. Uh, we did, we did Ableton user groups mm -hmm. and, uh, Ableton had caught wind of what we were doing. I think, uh, some videos were posted of, uh, one of our nights, which was actually a, a really good one. And they ended up sending, uh, a couple guys to one of our, one of our events. And, um, and so throughout, there was another really good event. And throughout the night, there were these two guys kind of standing in the background. And at the end of the night, I was sweeping up, uh, just cleaning up some <laughs> bottles and things like this. And, uh, they approached me and they said, you know, what, what is this? What is, what, what, what is this space? And I was like, well, we're doing events, but I'm in a band and, you know, we're keep the band together. And I live right in this room over here. And they're like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so what's your, what's your plan after, after this? And I said, well, I'm, I'm graduating in a couple months and, and, uh, my bandmates are from Germany. So hoping to keep the band together and go to Germany. Uh -huh. And, uh, they said, going to Berlin. And I said, yeah. 
And then they said, do you need a job? Oh, wow. <laughs> that easy. Well, it wasn't so easy, but he oh. handed, he handed me a card and I, I, I remember I, I did my best to keep it cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, uh, but then, uh, the next day I ran into, uh, ran into my school and was showing this business card around. Like it was like, it was a golden ticket to the chocolate factory kind of thing. Wow. And, um, so yeah, so basically, uh, two, um, I, I had to kind of sell everything that I owned down to two suitcases over the course of a, a few weeks. Um, I think I came to Berlin with like two suitcases and 700 euro or something like that. And I'd never been to, I'd never been to Berlin. I'd never been to Germany. I didn't speak German and it was kind of like dropped right into it and had to find my way to work the next day. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so the, but the whole thing was, uh, you know, one of the things that they really wanted, uh, at the time was to replicate what I was doing in Boston, which was very much community based, um, you know, uh, working, uh, creating this kind of experience. Uh, but that wasn't really a job, you know, that was meant to be kind of like, a um, some, a side project or something like this. So I, I started working with them. Um, I got into sound design with Ableton, which was, uh, which was a, a, quite an experience, a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, it was a way in which, uh, it was ground to stand on while I, I built my first space in Berlin with a, with a really good friend of mine. And, uh, it was similar to what, what we had done in Boston. It was, uh, about the same size, maybe a little bit larger, but this time a l- less DIY. Uh, we had, uh, we installed a function one sound system, uh, had some beautiful architectural designs and walls, um, acoustic elements, really trying to focus on, on the, the, the sound experience also in, 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 in an attempt to, um, to, uh, or just in consideration of the spaces that existed in Berlin at the time, like medium and small to medium sized spaces. And, uh, the charming factor, uh, in Berlin then was that, you know, you, you'd find a lot of these spaces, but it was, you know, kind of in a, often in a bombed out basement with, uh, some mold problems and mismatched, Mm. uh, you know, uh, speakers and, you know, maybe a mixer that didn't have two channels working or something like that. You know, it was a lot of these kinds of situations. And so we really took our time. Uh, I think it took us about a year to set this up, uh, to, to just try to understand the, the technology we're working with and the atmosphere of the space. And the result was gorgeous. We called it a sound space. Uh, so it was called feed sound space and just, we attracted all sorts of, uh, interesting acts. Uh, and it, as I should, just going back to the, um, you know, what happened in terms of Ableton, um, we originally, I was hosting the Ableton user groups there, um, which were, they, they were, they were fairly well attended, but the, the, the interest really w- began, um, with this space and the, the local acts that we were, that we were booking into the space, heavily focused on surround sound and audio visual works, um, still DIY, but, um, but we managed to just have some really great events there. Um, and I, it was a wonderful uh, group of people that, uh, that I was working with there at the time. And it just became clearer and clearer that this was, um, you know, this was the direction to go. And, uh, and so, uh, so when my, my, uh, time with Ableton was coming to a close, it was just clear to make this transition into, into, uh, these community-based initiatives and, and experiences. 
I mean, I guess that brings us to the focus of, of today is sure. the Institute for Sound and Music, yeah. maybe uh, known as the ISM uh, for short here in Berlin. So I take it a lot of the people you were maybe working with or those contacts that you had, those are the people that helped you set up the ISM or how, how did that work? Institute for Sound and Music is a nonprofit organization dedicated to the history and culture of sound, immersive art, and electronic music. So our long-term goal is to establish a home or a place uh, for sound, immersive art, and electronic music to, uh, to flourish and to have it be an impartial uh, entity or organ- organization that uh, serves as a crossroads for the community. Uh, the community that exists here in Berlin, the vibrant sound and music community that exists in, in Berlin, but also to connect with entities, organizations, and institutions that um, that align with certain principles and primarily uh, sustainability. And that's a very inspiring message, I think, for for us. It keeps us uh, passionate and interested in the things that we're doing. It also is a catalyst to the kinds of projects that we're creating. And the projects that we work on, it's essentially a large campaign. Uh, so we make uh, large scale, uh, create large scale installations uh, that are, yeah, created in Berlin, designed to travel, uh, to connect with audiences beyond the borders of Berlin. And the focus is those three pillars, which is sound, immersive art, and electronic music. And then we should, uh, speaking of big projects, uh, the, we should talk about the Hexadome, which was your successful first large project, uh, large in the, in the scope, but also large in the physical uh, sense. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what exactly is the Hexadome. It's a 52-channel sound system uh, that's arranged in a dome configuration. Uh, surrounded by six massive screens uh, with advanced rear laser projection technology from Epson um, that is designed to uh, create a stunning spatial audio immersive experience um, that uh, is intended to create the clearest possible channel between the work of the artist and the audience. Mm. The structure itself, it fits uh, in non-COVID times, it fits about 200 people. Uh, but it's intended to have multiple functions. So one is, uh, sort of, uh, like a performance function and the other is, which is the, the, the strength I'd say behind it is the installation, um, the, serving as just a, a standalone installation. So, uh, we've commissioned at this point, uh, I'd say, I think it's, I think we're at 18 works. Uh, and uh, a number of those premiered in Berlin. Uh, and then uh, the after premiering at the Gropius Bau in Berlin, we went on to um, uh, to be a part of uh, the Wonder Bar Together Tour, uh, which is, or Wonder Bar Together Initiative, which is uh, an initiative uh, put forward by the Goethe Institute and the German Foreign Office uh, that was really um, highlighting the the cultural connection between uh, the United States and Germany, and uh, the hexadome was selected to represent uh, the cultural artistic connection, which was fantastic. Mm. Uh, we showcased the hexadome in th- in three locations throughout North America, um, starting in San Francisco with Gray Area Foundation for the Arts, 
then going from there to uh, to Montreal for the 20th edition of MUTEC and the museum, uh, Mac Museum, Contemporary Art Museum in Montreal for about a month, which was exciting. Uh, from there, we went to MassMoCA, which is one of the, it's, it's the largest contemporary art institute, uh, con- contemporary art museum in uh, New England. Uh, and we were there for uh, nearly a month as well. And then our plan was to go for our biggest program to date at South by Southwest 2020, which was, as I'm sure a lot of people know, uh, cut short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the, uh, the, the, the current chasm began we actually had the Dutch audiovisual artist uh, Tariq Bari on a previous episode of Signal Path. Uh, so oh, great! Quite a quite a year ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he worked with Radiohead's Tom York on his program. But maybe you could give us a rundown of some of the other artists that have either made performances or installations for it for that first run. the The first artist that we worked with, uh, which was remarkable, was uh, Brian Eno, and we. Um, we had created a list of um, potential locations and potential artists that, you know, best case scenario, who, who would it be? And, and uh, it was one of those moments where it just was, it just felt like this magical alignment of every, everything that you could possibly hope for. Uh, the team uh, just had this energy that just um, was so intoxicating. Uh, the, the, the structure coming together in the way that it did. Um, we hadn't tested it <laughs> before we mm. built it. You know, it's, yeah. there was no way to understand how this was going to work really. Um, I mean, the technology for the sound system, we could experience that. This was developed by the, the ZKM, the Center for Art and Media in Carlsruhe. But the, uh, the structure itself, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a museum environment, uh, as opposed to a controlled environment, uh, was a big question mark. And so when we set it up, when we finally got all the pieces together at the Gropius Bell, within 12 hours, uh, Brian, you know, was going to be the first person to step inside it and start using it, uh, using, using it as an instrument, basically. I was just going to say, as an aside, I, I remember a, uh, an ISM member who shall remain nameless mm-hmm. describing Brian Eno's preparation for his generative installation as an as a quote ambient jam and uh, and that would that was meant I, that was meant as high praise but i just thought it was kind of uh, funny the idea of of this um of the preeminent ambient artist that he was doing a jam so to speak in this uh huge structure of the hexadome and and um can you kind of describe sure, sure. what what it was that he was doing well, uh, I, I don't know if I would call it a jam. It was, it was, a, it was, it was a surreal experience. I mean, he's he's been a hero of mine for for many years, uh, and to to have him, uh, he he was he was at the Gropius Bow for a, a, about a week before his his piece premiered, and he used so much of that time to uh, to really create something special and exclusive for that that experience. We had, uh, we had some pieces that he had sent or his team had sent, uh, to load into the system. And I think originally that was the intention that we were going to showcase something that was already done. Uh, but it was within, uh, we, we, we picked him up at the airport, uh, and he just wanted to drop off his bags and go straight to the location. 
So uh, um, within about 40 minutes of being in Berlin, uh, he was standing in the middle of the hexadome and cla- snapping his fingers and clapping his hands, you know, trying to get an idea of what the, the room sounded like, mm. just 12 second reverb and all these things. And uh, it was pretty quick that he, he kind of turned and said to us, does anybody have a keyboard? <laughs> so oh, okay. it just turned into like, wow, okay, this is happening. This is, this we're going to... And so we, we set up a, we set up this uh, desk for, uh, for him in the middle of the, in the middle of the hexadome. And, uh, it was funny, just the, 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 not the battle, but just the, the debate between the sound, sound team, uh, the guys on our sound team who was going to get to go home and get their, their controller <laughs> to, oh, okay. for Brian to Brian, have- you know, to play with. Uh, but one of them, uh, Eki, he, uh, he, he raced home on a scooter and came right back. And, and that's, that, that was the point, you know, I mean, we had, we had, uh, we had such a, we, we'd taken on so much as, as a small team, you know, to be presenting in this prestigious location and Brian, Eno and, uh, you know, it's just all of these factors that were just kind of, uh, a bit overwhelming at the time. And, uh, there was the, um, uh, so, so we were using Gropius as, as an office. Uh, so the surrounding areas, uh, coordinating communication and coordinating, you know, the, 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 the program and, and how everything was going to flow and it's, and so on. Uh, but the center space leaked off the, this, um, you know, the, this big open area where the hexadome existed, it's a gorgeous space. Uh, and it was, it was, we had an agreement with, you know, and his team that this was the, this was the quiet space, you know, we couldn't be running around in there. It had to be, you know, a place where, you know, he could really focus and get into his work and, and, uh, and so as the chaos is kind of in, engulfing us in terms of getting something like this together for the first time, uh, if it ever got too much, you could just walk into the space and quietly sit behind him. And there he was, um, just making a beautiful sound uh, that reflected the environment, that reflected the, um, you know, the, the acoustics of the space and uh, going in all sorts of different directions. But... Uh, you know, never having a beginning, a middle or an end, just an exploration. And, uh, and it was so, it was like being in church or something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a religious person, but I can imagine, you know, this sort of, uh, you know, contemplative experience, you know, when, when, you know, your world is being kind of turned upside down and you just can go in a place and sit and reflect and, you know, sound, the high I mean, priest of Amy. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Presiding. Yeah. Presiding. And, yeah. and, um, and that went on for several days, you know, and, and, and the result, which is, is amazing is that, you know, that he didn't perform this his, his work for an audience. He created an installation for them. I, I got to see that his installation and I saw another one, which was, um, something totally different, a uh, live performance by Holly Herndon. Oh yeah. Um, a, Berlin-based U.S. artist, and um, she was using a performance of singers to feed, uh, I guess, what is it, her artificial intelligence baby? Mm. What would you call it? <laughs> artificial intelligence neural network, uh, which would then in turn make its own, own music. Um, mm. So, I mean, 
I, I think you mentioned at the beginning is that was always the concept behind the Hexadome is you provide this amazing uh, infrastructure, amazing high tech infrastructure, and then you see what they can, people can do with it. You say, have at it. Well, it's, I, that's, that's, uh, that's really, it's one of the things that we, we communicate from the very beginning, uh, whenever we're, we're approaching a location or uh, specifically speaking with, uh, with artists that, um, that we're hoping to work with. It's really that we're not, we're not the ones to tell the story. We're creating a framework for the stories to be told by those that are capable of telling them. And this is, you know, the, the effort that goes into creating that frame, uh, that's where we put all of our energy. And so it's, you know, it's understanding the technology, it's understanding, uh, the flow, um, it's understanding the context in terms of the, the space and, and people, you know, people, place and power, that kind of idea or that tri- trifecta or whatever. And then also understanding the artists that we work with, you know, it's, these are very powerful tools, <laughs> you know, and, and, in in the wrong hands, it can be quite, uh, jarring or, or, uh, difficult. Yeah. I mean, Tom York, Brian Eno, that's a, and it was, it, came, it was a critical success as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's a, is that daunting? Is that a hard act <laughs> to follow? I mean, I know that I know the long term sure. goal is to have a physical institution here in Berlin for the ISM and you, you came out so strong. So, so what's next after the Hexadome? What, what are you going to do to follow up on that? That's a great question. I, you know, I, I, uh, it, it was a bit, it was a bit daunting at the beginning, you know, that's this, we got, we, we basically got everything that we asked for. So where do we go from here? Uh, Mm. but the, the, really the idea is that we're focusing on these three uh, pillars of the, uh, of the organization tenants or whatever you want to call them. Uh, so, uh, sound immersive art and electronic music. That was how it started. Uh, but now it's, it's sort of, uh, it's an evolution from that. I think, uh, uh, we are focusing on sound. Uh, we have a we have a digital project that we're putting forward. Um, hopefully, the results come back in the next couple of weeks that we're going to be doing this in the first half of 2021. Uh, but essentially, it's called This Is Sound, and really, what it is meant to do is to serve as a bit of an educational platform to promote sound literacy. Uh, so, um, providing uh, presently sound literacy is loosely defined as, uh, the understanding of phonetics, but we want to expand that to promote the understanding of sound as a whole. Um, and this platform is a way for us to do so. So do you have, uh, specific examples? What aspects of sound will you be exploring there? Well, I mean, doing an exhibition on sound is like doing an exhibition on water or something. It's like, it's so big and infinite possibilities. And so we, we gave, we, we didn't give up on it, but we, we just had to put it, we had to put it to rest, uh, about a year and a half ago because it was just, it was endless. And in this time, you know, with social distancing, starting to think about, I, I had a conversation with a really good friend of mine, um, who said, you know, what about, why does this have to be a physical exhibition? Why can't this be, uh, a virtual one? And the second that you remove the responsibility and the obligation of, of, of physical location from something like this, and all you need to worry about is, you know, does the audience have access to a computer, the internet and a pair of headphones, uh, then the world starts opening up significantly in terms of possibilities. 
And that was the inspiring factor. Like we have always wanted to do something in the virtual space, you know, a digital gallery of some kind, but to be able to define it, to be able to understand the significance of it really required a time like this to happen. And, um, and that's been the special thing. One of the several special things about this time. Segwaying from this virtual exhibition that you're working on now, can you tell us like what the ultimate plans for, say, maybe in an ideal situation, what would the ISM Center here in Berlin look like in, a, in some time in, in the near future? You're looking at, obviously, I guess, are you looking in some ways to come full circle to that DIY space in Boston, that, that, but just on a totally different scale? I, not, not DIY in that sense, but yeah, no. I, I just mean in, the, in the, uh, that experiential way of bringing people in to it, into that. Absolutely. I I mean, I, I, there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot of, um, it's cool because when, when you ask uh, anyone in the organization, there's, there's a, there's a different, uh, there's a different shade that's put onto it or a a different, uh, different side of this, um, this, this, this gem that, uh, of an idea, um, that, that drives us forward for, for me, I think the inspiring thing is I, you know, I, I love the, always talking about the empowerment of shared direct experience, you know, and, and, uh, a place in which, you know, it's a center or, or, um, a location that, uh, that, that anybody can enter, you know, just, it's not a, it's not a track where you buy a ticket, you walk, walk in one side and you come out the other with a one directional experience, but, you know, just imagining a place where you can meet and you can have discussions, you can see films, you can uh, see exhibitions and installations. These could have a space to be created and developed to, to have an extended lifespan uh, beyond, uh, you know, a two, two day event or a festival, uh, but really start to seep into the, 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 the local dialogue and discourse of a community. Um, and, and also to help promote you know, sound is such a, uh, such a powerful medium that is, it's like a, it's a mystery to so many people and we need, you know, uh, spaces outside of academic and, and research institutions for the public to truly understand the significance of what it, what it can do for our lives and, and how much of a role it can play. And also thinking in terms of, you know, the community that exists here, um, you know, having a resource that helps you know, navigating, uh, navigating the world of being an artist, uh, to having access to tools and technology to, uh, workshops and education and, and all sorts of things. So it's, it's really, ISM is not what we are, uh, but it's what we aspire to become. And that's Mm -hmm. very clear. And the question of whether or not we get there is, you know, it's about this, this trajectory or this journey that we're on because every step of the way, it's an inspiring one. And every conversation that we have, whether it's about planets or it's about hexadome or it's about sound or, you know, whatever it might be, it's amazing to have these conversations where not only is the person that you're speaking to, not only do they light up, but you light up as well. And that's the sign that you're really doing something that is spectacular. You're doing something that that's extraordinary to you and, and to be able to have these kinds of conversations, uh, just, just, that's what, that's what it's all about. And that sounds like a perfect place to wrap up. Nick, thank you so much for speaking with me today. And we wish you all the best and look forward to following that journey. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Mark. Absolutely a pleasure. And, and thanks for having me. 
That was Nick Meehan from the ISM, and this has been Signal Path. This episode was recorded remotely with the shiny new NV7 podcasting microphone and the NV51 digital condenser mic. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in again next time for more stories from the people shaping the world of audio.